Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in. Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. New kids back, back, back. Tell your friends, friends. No, seriously, go and tell your friends about New Kids on the Block, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, because we're back and we could use your support, you know, like, subscribe, all the stuff the influencers say, um, because we're pretty rad people and we talk about really cool things and we get really cool people to come on the podcast and... Like, it's time for some shameless self-promotion, I think. You do. what do you think? Do you think it's time for the people to go out there and rally and and give us some more support? I I think it's time to start uh, putting new kids on the block on the map and then start letting people know who we are and what we do. Yeah, the map where the block is, we're somewhere in the middle there. And that's where you guys can find us, I think. Right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you can't find us, uh, use a GPS. Yeah, use the GPS. Use the GPS, or you can hit us up on Twitter, um, and I'll post uh, I'll post our uh, our Twitter handles in the show notes. You guys can go check us out. I am uh, Blockchain Fox, and Yidu is Yidu with multiple E's and multiple U's. Three E's and three U's. Three Y E at Y E E E D U U U. All right. So, uh. Yeah, I mean, we haven't recorded in a little bit. I think we're like we're going out with the up only TV like type of schedule, right? Because they've been away for a couple of weeks, so you know it was not it was only natural for us to be. I'm kidding. Hey, there's no proof that um we're not Kobe and Ledger. There's That's no true. proof. That's true. Yeah. I am from Alabama. People didn't know. Yeah. I'm um, just pretending. Uh, I'm actually a Brit pretending to be Canadian. Hey, man, you're a man of many talents. I wouldn't put it past you. Um. You know, now you, you know, on the previous episode, you got to kind of talk to like really smart people. How does it feel to be back just talking to me? Like, are you devastated? Oh, it's such a letdown, man. It's like <laughs> several hours now. You stuck no, with me your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, talking to Nied was was a lot of fun. I think she's she's one of the the more, um, I guess, she's very smart. She's in the space. Obviously, she's very smart. She's very passionate about what she was working on. And I think the Reserve Project uh, was really fascinating and motivating one for me. You know, like, I really like their mission of trying to bank, you know, bank the unbanked and trying to help people to get access to to banking system uh, using a stable currency um, yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And she seems like a really uh, nice lady who is really passionate about, you know, what she was, was working on. Um, you know, it's a different vibe from the, the, uh, you know, the Dogecoin, the Shiba that we always talk about. Uh, it's a, it's a different flavor, but you know, I dig it. Yeah, but you know, we need those people to bring legitimacy to the podcast because every time I'm right. back on, we're, I'm just talking nonsense. So, <laughs> you know, you get really smart people like Dang and and Yetan, and you know, they're talking about doing all of this benevolent type of, you know, um, use cases regarding crypto and blockchain and how it can benefit the world. And we're just here being degenerates. So kudos to those folks. uh, And 
I'm sad I, I I wasn't able to join you guys. It sounded like a really great. Yeah, we, I did miss the, the the you know the the usual waffle that we always do in front <laughs> of the show because I feel like it might be inappropriate to to do that with our new guest. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's good to be back and and waffle on about various topics with you. Speaking about waffle, I mean, what the hell have you been up to the past couple of weeks? I mean, I know we haven't we haven't connected. Have you been busy? I've been busy, but more not with crypto, but more with live stuff. Like okay. I just moved uh, recently, and uh, it took you know a heck of effort for me to do that. So I'm just glad that it's over. I'm officially moved in uh, to my new place, and you know just back at the grind again. And may I just say, your acoustics are phenomenal, good sir. So plus one to the new uh, to the new place. Congratulations! Yeah, I think that was one of the key requirements for this place. <laughs> you know, I gotta have the the right acoustics for my podcast. Otherwise, I'm not. I'm not moving. Me. You do move to the bat cave if anyone's unfamiliar. That's where <laughs> he is now recording from. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, my, my setup is, is marginally better. I have a, I have a monitor, a secondary monitor now. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm we're all upping our games. You know? we're, we're trying to up our game, man. We're trying to up our game. Um, speaking of upping our game, what about this market, man? Have you seen this market lately? Uh, it's been down. It's been down only, right? It's been down only. <laughs> down only TV. Yeah. Down only TV. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I think in the show notes you kind of ask it the question of are we are we still crabbing? Yep. I think technically, I think we still are. We're still in this range. Um, if you yep. really zoom out, uh, we're we're in this weird range between like thirty nine, thirty nine, and um. And sixty for a very long time. Um, I saw a chart today. I, you know, again because of the move, I wasn't paying too much attention. But I did see a few charts here and there. It's starting to form a um, uh, head and shoulders pattern. Mm. Um, where, is that like the Pantene Pro V? Like, is is the crypto market have like you know dandruff or what's what's that? <laughs> See that that's what I like about this. Thing. It was just take me uh, to the weirdest tension. Quality, quality commentary. Quality, quality talent. Quality yeah. content right there. <laughs> um, so the the head and shoulders pattern is one where you have a top uh, in the middle and uh, like a head, and then um, uh, two shoulders on the side. Um, I think that usually that's a bearish bearish sign mm-hmm. um, as opposed to an inversed head and shoulder. So if you have like two shoulders uh, and a head, but like on the uh, inversely, well, it's, like a, it's got inverse head right. and shoulder, but that's, that's like a bullish setup. But right. uh, I think the, the, the head and shoulders pattern is usually a bearish sign. Uh, it's telling you that, okay, you've topped in this case, we topped at 69 K um, uh, earlier, I guess uh, early this year, Sorry, late last year, uh, and then we just went down from there. So, if you want, want to be like really technical about it, technically it's not looking great. And using my favorite um, Ichimoku Cloud settings here, um, I think we talked about you know in the last maybe the two two episodes ago when when I said okay maybe we're gonna see a, a Kumo twist uh, on May the fourth. Looks like that twist is still on. However. Uh, immediately after that, we're expecting a Kumo twist back into the bearish cloud. Mm. So, although technically, yes, we're going to see a Kumo twist still on May the 4th, but because of the recent downtrend, uh, it might start, you know, twisting down from there um, afterwards. 
Yeah, and we I think we were kind of talking about that uh, the episode before last, right? Where I'm like, so what's the deal with the twist? Like when it twists, does it ever mm. twist back? And you're like, yep. yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess that played out a little bit. Let's see. Let's hope it twists back. I mean, if we're just looking at the numbers here, um, you know, based off of coin market cap, Bitcoin, the past seven days is down about 5%. Mm-hmm. Ethereum down close to six, BNB down close to um, 7%, Solana mm-hmm. down 6%, XRP with a dreaded 13% down uh, with news that mm-hmm. basically their uh, their case won't be uh, settled in uh, in 2022, uh, at least from, from top law officials. Um, so generally, the only thing that's been up has been USDC. Um, which is marginally <laughs> been up, <laughs> and uh, yeah, not not too not 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 great times, I guess, for the market. But not great time for any any market. I mean, if you look at um, you know the state of the war and inflation right. and the cost of oil and interest rate, hikes. interest rate hikes and the next wave of the coronavirus pandemic um, that's hitting China right now, um, I think. I think, you know, retail investors and you know the market en masse has legitimate concerns, right, with the overall health and uh, concerns about a global recession, right? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe m- some more scary times ahead. But uh, Yeah, I agree. I think that that is reflected not only in the crypto market, but also in the traditional equities market where you're seeing this um, sell-off that's happening uh, across the board um, and we keep talking about you know crypto should be a a, a risk uh, a risk on asset and it should be um you know disassociating itself from the traditional equities market but in reality sadly that's not the case like whenever there's a shakeout in the in the stocks market um crypto tends to um see a similar pattern you know fall maybe to an even you know harder or, or uh, i guess a bigger extent in terms of the the level of the, the, the consolidation or the shakeout um but sadly we're not decoupling from the traditional market yet uh, as much as people want it to be yeah i mean um th- there is some good news right which is over the course of the last 24 hours i mean bitcoin rallied a bit so it's up close to four percent ethereum's up three percent bnb 1.6 solana up close to four percent so mm-hmm. there's you know the Equity markets, S&P 500, even Dow Industrial has been taking a beating. It's been the worst week since like 2020 mm-hmm. um, that the markets have experienced. Uh, but so I was reading a kind of a note today from uh, an analyst, I think, uh, out there. might have been from Citibank. Not quite sure. But, um, you know, they were mentioning that uh, that uh, long-term yields uh, and the futures market uh, in- investment has picked up a bit, which might indicate that we're seeing kind of, if not the bottom, close to the bottom, or at least mm. for the local a local bottom, um, which could pot- potentially be good news. It, it you yeah. know, if you're a betting man and you swing trade like me, hmm. uh, you may be looking at some of the th- these things and thinking that uh, there might be some good opportunities out there. So. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, it's really hard to read through the tea leaves here. Like, it's, it could be, if, if I were a trader, uh, like a active trader, I would be paying close attention to the market. Like, like you said, it's more of a swing trade move now, like as opposed to like a, a long term move. Um, if I were like just a value investor, I would just 
put my money in Bitcoin and Ethereum and forget about it for the next six months. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, if you want to swing trade this, there could be up scalping opportunities. Uh, but it's really, really hard in this market because you can get shaken out either way uh, really quickly. Well, I mean, dude, looking at this Solana price right now, Solana is currently priced at 99 bucks, And I swear, yeah. every time I blink my eyes, that thing's back up to 130 So <laughs> I don't know, man. That that one's been enticing me, especially down 7% in a week. But uh, yeah. How's yeah, Luna it, doing, by the way? Okay. Luna, so Luna right now is at uh, ninety bucks. Ninety. Um, it's it's eighth in total market cap. So I mean, it's still up there. Um, you know, Avalanche is taking is taking a hit. It's down at eleven. Polkadot fourteen. Um, Polygon is down in seventeen. So, um, you know, I mean, it, the the encouraging news is that the volumes are still rather high. So 24-hour volumes are, are are pretty high. Which, if you're if you're familiar with how trading works at all, um, the lower the volume you have, the more price sensitive the asset tends to be um, from a volatility perspective. So, the higher the volumes you have on a particular underlying asset, um, it means a lot of things really have to go wrong for it to drop substantially in price, right? So, um, when like for example, last twenty four hours, you know, Tether has done, uh, I think it's sixty billion dollars worth of transactions. So, um, obviously, it's a stable coin; it's liquidity for the market. But even Bitcoin's at uh, thirty billion um, just in the last twenty four hours in volume. So. Over eight hundred thousand Bitcoin has exchanged hands just in twenty four hours. So, um, you know, trying trying to be a little positive here, doing my best, doing my yeah. best. I, I'm just the reason I brought up Luna is because um, remember that big rally uh, a few a few weeks ago. I think part of that was due to um, the lunar founder. Uh, I forgot his name. Is is Do Kwon? It's like Korean guy who basically bought like. Three was it three billion worth of Bitcoin <laughs> into their uh, using their LFG uh, right? Foundation. Yeah, what was that for for liquidity to back up UST? Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So he did that. He basically like bet on, uh, basically told everybody that he was gonna buy three billion uh, worth of Bitcoin, and then everybody just front ran him. And then as soon as he bought it, Bitcoin like rallied for a bit, and then just dumped straight down. So I was just, it was really hilarious to see like somebody like a super um, rich, you know, probably a billionaire telling people, oh, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. Now go ahead and front run me and then dump on me later. Yeah, that's, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, no. <laughs> maybe no. they know something no. we don't. I don't yeah. know. It seems strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, market in general has been poop, ladies and gentlemen. So let's talk about some news. How about that? Let's do it. All right. So I think, you know, the news that's been on everyone's mind, I mean, I guess just a quick piece of news, because I always like to surprise you a little bit what I don't have in the show notes, um, which is, and this is kind of like fresh off the presses, but Central African Republic, um, which is a landlocked country in Central Africa, if you're unfamiliar with it, bordered by Chad and the Sudan and, you know, Congo to the south, um, it is... According to the World Bank, the worst economy in the world, uh, and it is the second country to make Bitcoin legal tender. 
um, just happened wow. about a couple hours ago. I think they announced it officially. Um, so what are your thoughts on the Central African Republic? I, I ju literally just heard about it. And, um, <laughs> well, I think that's well, that, that's that's good news. Good for them. Maybe that's going to be a similar story to um, El Salvador right. uh, where, where they decided to opt for for Bitcoin as legal tender. Uh, what I'm curious about is whether there's going to be any mandatory um, requirements for use that. Because I know for El Salvador, basically, they're forcing people to use to use Bitcoin, right? So that created some backlash um, against um, the government for for forcing it upon its people. So I'd be curious to know, um, you know, what to what extent the uh, Central African Republic is going to enforce this. Um, mm. Is this going to be a a, a mandate, or is this going to be there's there going to be some other alternatives to Bitcoin? Well, let me just give you a little bit of background about the Central African Republic before you go singing their praises. Um, they are probably one of the biggest, I mean, not biggest, but closest uh, currently existing Russian allies. Hmm. Um, they have uh, close associations to something called the Wagner Group or the Wagner Group, um, hmm. which is a kind of a mercenary crew. Um, that has been commissioned to go fight in, in, in the Ukraine. Um, a lot of the mercenaries come from the Central African Republic. They are known notoriously to be rich in diamonds, gold, and uranium. Um, mm. And they are no doubt being affected by kind of uh, shunning, ec uh, economic shunning, right? That's, that's going on uh, mm. with Russia. They're responsible. They, they rely on Russia for a lot of imports and things like that. Um, so it's... Not surprising to me that they make this move, um, you know, especially when uh, all of the sanctions are impacting Russia and Russia's economy. Right. Uh, it's having knock on effects for kind of a, a smaller country like this in the middle of Africa. So. Yeah. Wow, that's that's well, that's you know, obviously <laughs> new information for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I have to do more research to, to understand what, exactly what's happening on the ground. Um, yeah, I mean. Probably before that, I'm gonna hold my judgment until I learn more. Yeah, it's just a, it's just an interesting case. I mean, it's 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 kind of. I think the interesting thing about it is that it's just another great example of how like geopolitical things are pushing kind of policy uh, when it right. comes to cryptocurrency. Um, and you know, like the Central African Republic, right? They, you know, they're quoted to have pretty poor internet access, right? Like they're an underdeveloped country mm -hmm. um, where Bitcoin solely depends entirely on the internet. So if you look at it um, from an altruistic perspective, you'd be like, oh, well, you know, we're providing Bitcoin to the citizens. And so right. the citizen, this is being done purely for like settlements at the government level, right? Like yeah. if it was really being done for citizens, then you you would you would assume those citizens would would you know it was the same similar to the conversation you were having with Niet right like right. like how do we provide stable coins as a settlement capability for people to transact and to buy things over the internet and stuff like that in right. under underdeveloped countries where they don't have internet right that's that's well, still a pretty big problem that's a great point according to this article on CoinDesk only eleven percent of the people in Central Af African Republic has access to the internet. So how do we expect to bank them if they, you know, 
only like 10% of them can have access to the internet. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe we can ask Elon Musk. Maybe he has uh, some kind of solution for that. Speaking of Elon Musk, Elon Musk. I by the way. I'm good, man. I'm good. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Um, Elon Musk, ladies and gentlemen, if you're unaware, I, I like... I kind of like haphazardly said like a couple weeks back, like Elon Musk is buying Twitter. Ha 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 ha. And then like he came out and he's like, I'm not buying Twitter. And then Twitter was like, uh, we're not letting him buy us. And then now he's signed an agreement basically saying uh, that, you know, if he gets financing, he basically has to do a, a merger. It's an M&A move right. um, to incorporate uh, with, with Twitter. Um, so like, this shit's happening, man. Like, or yeah. uh, there's like an eighty percent chance that it's, that it's going to happen. There's no, I guess, guarantees. He can he can back out. But like, what are your thoughts on on that? I mean, I just feel like Elon Musk is is the most elusive and also like unfathomable unfathomable person ever. Like, you can never expect what he does. Um, like I, I like you said, right? He he said he was going to buy it, and then there was a poison pill. Um, initiative against him and then I think that effort failed and now he's coming back and actually he's going to buy it so yeah I don't know like the reason why he bought it for, why did he do that I don't know maybe it's for for uh, strategic reasons where he can have some sort of control uh, the same way like Mark Zuckerberg does using meta mm. um, or is it purely like I don't know. Like it could be just, um, you know, pettiness. Like cause he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, beefing with no, like, you know, no, he would never like, do that. He would. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like he he would do that. Like if there's a one person who would do those kind of things out of pettiness, that would be Elon Musk. Just a casual yeah. forty 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 four billion dollars worth of pettiness. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And he can't afford to use that money, right, to do whatever. Or maybe, maybe he's he's above that. He's he's, try, he's trying to use Twitter to pump his own shit coins, right? Imagine like Elon Elon pumping Dogecoin on Twitter now that he's the, the owner of it, and he can do whatever he wants without worrying about getting banned. Mm. How you know? Well, we'll we'll that. talk about that. We'll talk about that. But first, I want to kind of um, talk about kind of the process, so the formal process, and and kind of how this works. So. Um, this was all illuminating stuff for me. Um, I honestly don't know a ton about mergers and acquisitions. So what do I do? I acquiesce to this guy named Matt Levine, who's like incredibly uh, knowledgeable about this. He writes for Bloomberg. And basically the process is quite extensive, right? For him to actually go through this M&A. So um, the first thing, you know, that's that's important to note is that you know, Elon Musk currently is offering a valuation per share of $54 and 20 cents, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, Twitter is, I think roughly at trade, you know, and it's pumped recently with the news, right? So it's, right. it's, it's roughly at, at three quarters of what that evaluation is right now. Um, so they kind of received an offer that they couldn't uh, refuse, right? Yeah. Um, listening to bankers and, you know, bankers definitely had to had to tell everyone at the Twitter board, right, that clearly they were not worth that. Because if they were worth that, why the hell would they sell, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's the first thing. So 
the the money, the dollars had to make sense. And in this case, they did. The next thing that they have to do is they have to put out this like proxy that basically um, it's like a shareholder proxy um, that basically um, will highlight the whole history of the negotiation that Elon Musk has had with Twitter, which is going to be so fascinating. It'll, it'll actually be public knowledge uh, because it has to be like, um, you know, sanctioned by the SEC and everything has to be above board. Mm-hmm. So that has to happen. Then they have to schedule kind of like a lot of internal meetings. Um, then they'll work to, he, then he has to work obviously to line up all the financing um, SEC approvals, right? Uh, Security Exchange Commission has to go through all of that. Then there has to be a shareholder vote on top of that, hmm. right? So all of that stuff needs to happen um, before you know that that transaction can go through. And if you're a listener out there, you'd be like, "Well, what happens if like Elon doesn't want to go through with it?" Well, apparently there are two options for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the first of which. If he refuses to close the deal without any good reason, since he has signed an intention to per- to you know to purchase, to transact, to merge, um, if he refuses to close the deal without a good reason, that target um, entity, uh, which in this case is Twitter, can sue, and the court can compel him to buy to put wow. up the money. Um, the second option, which is obviously a lot easier to go through from a legal perspective is there's a termination fee. So if he refused to refuses to close the deal uh, without a good reason, he has to pay Twitter a breakup fee um, of around 3% of the size of the deal. Um, so right. the deal is 40. I'm just plug, I'm plugging it in my calculator right now. Uh, that's like $11 billion, right? I don't know. Is it? No. That would be less than that. Less than that. So if it's yeah. 44 times uh, 0.03%, yeah, it's like a, like a billion, do- the billion, billion dollar plus fee just to be like, psych. Hmm. Just kidding, guys. Um, a lot of this stuff is insane. Um, like the merger and acquisition stuff. I was unaware of it. But like this is such like an earth shattering thing that's happening um, yeah. for a number of reasons. Did you know about any of this stuff or was this illuminating? Um, no, no. Elon Musk did not DM me, DM me before uh, this happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think this, like, to be honest, like I, I wasn't, of course I was surprised that, but I wasn't shocked that he, he's doing it. And just the way like Elon Musk used to, to run with things on Twitter. Like remember those times when he, he was tweeting about, oh, I'm going to take Tesla private at like $400 or something like a few years ago. And then he did that on Twitter and then SEC decided to find him, um, you know, X amount of millions, amount of dollars for doing that, right? Like all those kind He's of trying, trying to pump his bags, basically. Yeah, pump, pump yeah his own bags. something like that. So yeah. like it's not, this is, would not be the first time um, he just does his, his magic, his tricks. Uh, over Twitter or on the social media platform and you know but except this time he actually pulled it off or he's going to pull it off based on what we're seeing um but yeah I mean it is it is huge news but at the same time I'm I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about um, how this is going to impact his his business empire like either positively or negatively right because I, I don't know like 
of all the the potential um, strategic moves we just talked about, I just don't know whether he's playing in the right field. Uh, what I mean by that is he's he's very good at um, you know high tech stuff like you know like building a rocket to the moon or uh, building a driverless car or uh, setting a, a, a cashless payment system. But with Twitter, with social media, in my opinion, at least that's that's a different animal. Like we're talking about human emotions. We're talking about something um, that's not pro programmable. Uh, I know there's like algorithm to like manipulate the users that all social media does, but we're still at the end of the day we're talking about a person, a human being sitting in front of a computer or a smartphone, um, trying to in- interact with each other. So yeah, I don't know like Elon is going to have the same level of um, competency when it comes to manage a platform like that. Yeah, I mean he was the co-founder in PayPal too, um, so he has a little bit of kind of history with, you know, web forward looking web technology type sure. stuff. But um, I'm I'm way more interested in like his whole free speech thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the big things that he purports to support is a mechanism to obviously make the plat- platform more open source and to implement a level of free speech which like, you know, the guy didn't give a shit about free speech when it was, you know, uh, people at Tesla factories trying to, uh, you know, form unions and stuff like that. Right. And then it was right. <laughs> no free speech for you, my friend. Yeah. And you go sit down in the unemployment aisle. Um, but um, the other thing that he said that's pretty interesting, I think it d- directly might influence a lot of what's going on. Uh, you know, in, in uh, crypto Twitter, is he claims that he wants to authenticate Twitter users to mm. legitimate like identities. So you know, he he really wants to cut down on all the scam bots and mm. click bots and click farms and stuff like that, which I think is really awesome. I think one of the one yeah. of the greatest, you know, people talk about anonymity, right? Like, get rid of that idea. I'm sorry. Like, just grow up, folks. Like, this anonymity thing is not. It was. It was a pipe dream that the internet created, right? And I think most of these major platforms now are doing KYC or some kind of like authentication. Like, what are your thoughts on Elon telling all of the AVI boys or the AVI boys out there with their pictures of of random things that hey, you can have that there, but we need to we need to know what your social is behind that. I I think there are two sides of the argument, um, which are to me are, are equally important. Uh, one I, one aspect is what you said, right? These Twitter bots uh, are really annoying. Like I, I'm not even like a you know I don't even have like a big following, but every time I log on Twitter these days, I got like at least five or six notifications um, from people like tagging me for their scam projects or any types of like rock projects, they just start like mass tagging people and expecting, you know, something will stick. That is super annoying. And I can't imagine for a huge, um, you know, verified profile with like millions of followers, how mm-hmm. many notifications they're going to get. Yep. So on the one hand, I, I do understand, you know, the, the, the need for verification and authentication for that to eliminate the bots. Um, on the anonymity side, um, I think again, you know, if if we are talking about like 
like ensuring um, whether it's the integrity of the conversation or the integrity of, of people's behaviors, uh, I'm, I'm fully support, right? Like we, we cannot have this an anonymous, um, you know, keyboard warrior walking around and then just, you know, spewing, you know, negative, but not well, toxic or even like vitriol. Vitriol. Yeah. Thank yep. you. That's the word I was looking mm -hmm. for. Yep. Or even like anti Semitic or any, you know, any bad, bad stuff. You know, we mm -hmm. can't let that happen. I think in, in football world, we all talk about like identifying uh, football fans uh, to make sure that people do not uh, cast expressions uh, anonymously on the web. So right. that part, I'm in full support. Yep. So, I, I do have a little bit of a reservation when it comes to uh, keeping people's identity uh, anonymous in order to protect their privacy. Um, specifically, if we're talking about a crypto world where like everything is doxxed, like if you see their Ethereum um, network, you're pretty much they're pretty much doxxed. You know they can't do anything mm -hmm. in their wallets. So for that part, I'm a little bit. Uh, hesitant to say uh, that's you know that's not going to work you know that's going to I just feel like people should be given uh, a certain amount of privacy uh, to make sure they can still live living this web free space sure uh, safely uh, without doxing themselves completely um, so yeah that's I think my thoughts. I, I I I think you have a great point my my only point and sorry if I was going off the rails there because I do do that ladies and gentlemen but. Um, I mean, my point is like, continue to be anonymous as long as like you're a good like citizen of the right. world, right? Like, yeah. absolutely be anonymous, but like you're gonna have to put your name to the shit that you do, and like everyone has to do that in life at one point or another. I'm gonna I'm sounding like a real boomer here, but like, like you know, you have to put your name to things you do in life, right? And generally speaking, if you want to be like, you know, a dirty, dirty, bad person on the Internet and say bad things and disgusting things to people like right. you should have to own up to that. Um, and Twitter's notoriously become become a place where people can say and do whatever the heck they want and affect the mental health of other people and right. scam people and, you know, shill terrible projects and trick people like me into buying no i'm kidding uh but you know it's, it's like bad things happen when freedom is left to its own devices sometimes so yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of like where that goes um if if daddy elon can take care of that maybe i'll appreciate him a yeah. little bit more I, I'm, I'm with you there 100 percent. i think people should be held accountable on, on what they do on, on the internet on twitter um, even if that means, you know, they, if they rug pulled, um, one project, um, they should be, there should be a way to like track their wallet and flag them and, and make sure they don't do it again. Right. Like if that, if that were, if we were talking about that kind of, um, KYC, you know, any type of identification effort, uh, I would be for it, you know, um, right. but at the same time, I still want to assure that a regular, a good behaving, you know, good citizen is not going to be punished. Uh, for you know, unnecessarily giving away their identity. Yep, that makes sense. I'm good with that. Um, All right. Uh, as an aside note, uh, Dogecoin uh, pumped twenty uh, percent after after that that news. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't even see it. I didn't. I stop paying get... attention to Dogecoin uh, since. 
five episodes ago <laughs> you know when we were when we were talking about like all of the assets that have moved over the course of the past week and like everything down and i said usdc is the only one that went up i kind of i kind of lied because dogecoin was there but i didn't want to kind of talk about it because oh, we were talking God. about the legitimacy of the podcast and you were disparaging yeah. me for talking about <laughs> Doge all the time but i think that's hilarious that that but like as a as a more serious topic um you know, I read like this CNET article um, talking about like how maybe with the introduction of Elon, who is a more kind of forward thinking guy and believes kind of in the crypto space, um, maybe there is a potential for, um, you know, implementing some level of Web3, which meaning means, I mean, they've already implemented, um, you know, a way to tip people. Right. Right. On Twitter. Um, via uh, via cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. um, but maybe they will now implement a methodology, almost like a creator fund that you know the TikToks of the world and um, YouTube has, for example, right, where they can they can implement some level of um, you know based on the engagement that you have, especially if it's legitimate engagement and you get rid right. of all the bots, um, you know you should you should make something out of that, right? What do you what do you think about that? I mean, Dogecoin to, to all the people. <laughs> sure, yeah, all the all the altcoins uh, can can be transacted. That would be ideal. No, I, I think that that's great. I think that's that's something good coming out of this deal is the kind of the acceleration uh, of Twitter into the Web three world, right? I think before even before Elon Musk got involved, Twitter was already started to do that. I think they launched their uh, NFT verification. Um, was it like early this year or maybe late last year uh, where the users can connect their wallets and then basically get a little like a hexagon um, verification uh, of their NFTs as their profile picture. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool, even if, even if I'm not going to do it because I don't want to dox my own wallet. Um, but yeah, I mean, if people want to do it, go for it. You know, it's it's a perfect, perfectly good way for them to, to flex their NFT collections um, and also you know, just kind of expanding the, the, their Web3 presence. Uh, in terms of paying users or content creators uh, with crypto, I think that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially when we're talk about, talking about microtransactions, um, you know, cross-chains, uh, I hope they can be a little bit more uh, agnostic because uh, we know Twitter historically, historically is very Bitcoin-heavy. Uh, Shout out Jack Dorsey. Shout out Jack. He's he's a big Max Bitcoin (laughs) Maxi. But now that he's gone, maybe they're going to start to to shift or pivot more into other multi-chain options, right? The the, the introducing of the NFT verification is a sign that they're willing to to expand into Ethereum. Um, Just hoping that they can start, you know, as time goes by, they can start to to venture into other chains, uh, supporting all the all the the creators, artists uh, across many chains. Yeah, yeah. Um, excited to see kind of where where that goes. I mean, um, in general, I think you know, Web three is here to stay. We 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 briefly spoke about Meta and like you know what Facebook's doing. I don't know if you you saw on the news, but they they recently pumped like tremendously. Um, they're oh, up yeah. like twelve uh, percent after hours uh, because they saw kind of um some growth in their platform um i think they their their revenue grew by like four percent 
um, after like Facebook or Meta, Facebook and Instagram. And I think they, they got about $690 million in revenue, um, from Meta, uh, from the, I, I forget what that aspect of the business is called. Exactly. It's like real, like the, uh, the virtual reality. Yeah. It's like digital something. I forget right. the name of that company, but, um, you know, some people, I think, uh, uh, uh Refinitiv were doing like analysis on, what that market could look like. And it's like a multi, multi-billion dollar market by uh, 2030, uh, the metaverse market. So like, th- I mean, things are moving in this direction. Like yeah. the market might might yeah. look crazy right now, but markets, I mean, it's, you know, Newton's law, right? It's like, you know, what, what goes up comes down and then back up and then back down. So like, don't get, don't get, don't take your eyes off the prize, people. Like, yeah. I mean, these are, th- these are where things are going. And if you can have, you know, really, really big ubiquitous technology companies like Twitter saying, Hey, we're going to start giving back to our users that make this platform, all the money, um, that we make from, you know, all the advertisements that we do, et cetera. I mean, Hey, that's a great, that's a great step in the right direction. So. Imagine a Twitter airdrop to yeah. everybody who has ever used Twitter. That would be like the ultimate airdrop of all time. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, you guys can make mine out in doge. Thank you. Um, moving, moving on to some other bit of news. Are you familiar with Madison Cawthorn? Oh, is that the, is that the, the, was it the, one of the, the congressmen, um, popular Republican congressman who's like, I don't know, like pro Trump, you know, pretty gung ho about everything. That guy. Yes, yes. Madison Cawthorn uh, recently kind of walked into uh, like an airport with a gun. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about that. I'm not here to talk about any of that, um, but um, there's um, there's some um, some recent news. <laughs> there's some recent news about um, uh, Madison Cawthorn kind of getting involved in this. Um, Let's go, Brandon coin. Um, which, um, if you guys are outside of the United States, um, that, that, that's like a kind of a conservative phrase, um, about, um, Joe Biden. The joke is like Joe Biden doesn't know his own name. So they they call him Brandon. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) they created a let's go Brandon coin, um, which, which, which was a cryptocurrency and he may have violated insider trading rules. Um, so, uh, the senator from his own state, uh, um, not a surprise, but it is a surprise that he's actually a Republican colleague of his. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, Tom Hillis is saying, uh, you know, their watchdogs out there need to kind of get involved um, because insider trading by a member of con- Congress is a serious betrayal of their oath. And Congressman Cawthorn owns North Carol- owes North Carolinians an explanation. So, Madison Cawthorn, uh, bad guy, good guy, gun guy. Did, what do you think? Did he like? I well, I haven't read the story very clearly. Did he actually? It's a ridiculous freaking story. This story is absurd. It's it is a pretty only crazy. in America, man. Only in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, I don't, I I feel like that guy's a little bit bit of a nut job anyway a little bit yeah (laughs) i'm not like super surprised did just so i'm clear like did he actually create that coin or did he like talk to people and pump the coin and then sell it like what's 
Um, I think I think um, he publicly boasted about his holdings of it, of the Let's Go Brandon coin, oh, which caused it to pump. Yeah, oh. which caused it to pump. Um, and Did he sell. Yes, and he sold. Wow. So hit, the coin's value shot up more than seventy five percent after he announced it. Wow. Uh, which raised the market cap to 570 million. Damn. Um, and like a couple days later, uh, <laughs> dude, I mean, I'm like somewhat, if, if this, this story is like, if someone like fed it to like, you ever see like one of those bots uh-huh. that like, they're like, we, we showed a bot a thousand hours of an action movie and he right, wrote a script right, right, right. like that, like, like, that, like, like a couple a randomly of randomly generated, a ra- randomly generated stories. Right. So, so he, he, he talked about it. It pumped 75%. A couple of days mm-hmm. later, NASCAR rejected a sponsorship deal with the, with the coin. Right. Uh huh. <laughs> and by you know by february the coins price had plummeted right so right, right. um it's raising some eyebrows there in uh in dc in your neck of the woods and it's not looking good for cawthorn you know especially after the guy got citate uh you know a citation yesterday uh was it tuesday yeah yesterday uh-huh. for walking into an airport with a loaded gun so <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, basically, he did a bit boy uh, mm-hmm. as a congressman, as a con- congressman, right? Might have to add him into the would you rather, uh, would you rather? the Madison Cawthorn or bit boy. We can we can remove <laughs> we can remove the unscrupulous gentleman that I previously mentioned. I won't give him any more airtime. But yeah, Madison Cawthorn may be stepping up into that. Um, really, really funny crazy. story um, that I just wanted to share with the listeners. So. Uh, kudos to you, Madison Cawthorn. Um, yeah. Anything that you wanted to to bring up? You want to talk about something? Um, let's see. I haven't paid too much attention to news this week, uh, mm-hmm. at least um, in the in the crypto space. Have you heard about Fidelity? No. Tell me more. Okay. So Fidelity, um, obviously one of the largest um, asset managers um, out there. Um, and you know, they're notoriously known for, um, you know, managing retirement funds, 401ks, they have roughly 2.7 trillion in assets, which like BlackRock's looking at you like, (laughs) what, you know, DNA touching our 60 trillion, but I mean, 2.7 trillion, nothing to sneeze at fidelity, one of the biggest asset managers in the world. And, um, they have basically come out saying that, um, they're going to allow for some level of allocation of crypto assets in retirement accounts. Um, so that's huge news. That's huge news. I mean, from a from a mass adoption perspective, um, what if you can d- diversify the assets in your four hundred one k that's being matched by your company? If you're lucky enough to work for a company that does that, and you can allocate a certain amount of that to Bitcoin. That's crazy, right? And, and is that just some clear? Is that um, direct Bitcoin exposure or is that um, ETF? It, I'm pretty sure that it is some kind of. Um, it's going to be some kind of custody type deal, um, okay. similar to like what traditional banks are doing, so that they they will buy a per a portion of those ownings, but they will custody those coins. 
So right. you you're almost purchasing like a derivative of the asset itself um, that will be exclusively bought and traded by your asset manager, right? So so you, it's not like you know you're you're using that money from your four hundred one k to buy directly Bitcoin that goes into your wallet, but I mean essentially you will be owning you know the idea of it. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of similar to GBTC or. Right. Um, um, I think it's called um, sorry, what's called grayscale uh, Bitcoin um, um, index, uh, which is like a derivative of Bitcoin, and it does not give you direct exposure to to Bitcoin, but it, it's almost like an ETF, like a pseudo ETF, uh, where you can own it, um, but you know, with perhaps a little bit of exposure for Bitcoin, but not to the full uh, to the full volatility of Bitcoin as an asset. Um, I think for what I know, I actually I do own some GPTC in my current Fidelity account, um, but sounds like this is something either similar or a little bit more um, gives you a little bit more direct exposure to to Bitcoin uh, through your 401k. Yeah, uh, I think currently you can only own it in your um, um, IRA. Right. So the fact that they're bringing it into your 401k, it's it's even better because like almost everybody has it, right? Everybody exactly. Works yeah. it. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think the I think the idea is that like retail investors lack access to premium investment opportunities, right? So like, you know, being able to allocate a portion of their retirement funds um that are not limited to what a traditional IRA is, which is like 5,000 bucks a year, yeah. right? Um is advantageous. Like people don't have to allocate any of their disposable income to do this. Um they can just, you know, create some kind of a subset of mm. their um, allocation of their uh, you know savings um, from from the 401k and invest into something like Bitcoin yeah um, so really cool stuff man really cool yeah. stuff to see you know Bitcoin kind of uh, continuing this mass adoption I mean you know we spoke we spoke to Kai and Hubert a couple weeks back and we're just like there are no use cases out there, but I think the biggest use case and the one that's more the most prevalent is store value, right, for yeah. Bitcoin, and that that just continues to to uh, to exude out into the world. For um, sure, yeah. I mean, just buy and hold Bitcoin in your uh, your retirement account, and you know, forget about it for twenty years. Yeah, and don't and, and don't and and don't worry about actually having any custody of your keys or you yep. know getting hacked, getting your your Coinbase account hacked. I mean, it's it's the most carefree way to invest in a an appreciate, hopefully, an appreciating asset. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I that's think cool. that's that's part of the institutionalized institutionalization of Bitcoin. Like people keep talking about, you know, well, how do we get that? How do we get there? I think. You know, having that in four hundred one k could be another step. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and I, I've even talked about you know with with my personal experience working in you know banking that you know a lot of the banks now are moving towards providing you know mechanisms for you know average average investors or even you know you know private banking investors right to to have access to uh, to cryptocurrencies right um, mm -hmm. and uh, yep. Fidelity is one of those types of big ones out there. We we spoke about them in the past on how they're you know they allow you to invest in some of those ETFs that are out there. Um, yep. So cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of ETFs. 
Yeah. Speaking of ETFs, I think uh, one of the last kind of pieces of news um, that we wanted to talk about was um, Australia. So Australia um, kind of had a plan uh, and it's it's kind of been, been ratified by their um, financial entities over there that govern like what goes on in Australia. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, with the snakes and all that shit, I mean, someone's got to be in charge of what's going on with the money right. because you, you need Bitcoin so that you can go after the snakes and all the beasties that they got. Um, <laughs> clearly, um, <laughs> if you guys had been living under a rock, hiding from snakes and Australian um, uh, spiders and things like that, um, they basically have um, cert- not necessarily certified, but they've approved um, three Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs. Uh-huh. Um, that were scheduled um, for uh, to be kind of released today. Um, that did not happen. Okay. Um, it was delayed because they're continuing um, their due diligence on some of those um, assets. Right. Um, but um, one of them is a um, a spot ETF, um, which is really cool. Right. So no, right. like no, not, not, uh, not like futures ETFs that, that we're exposed to here in the U S um, yeah. it's actually a spot ETF, I think based in, in, in Canada, yeah. um, that they, um, that they are going to support. Um, and they have, I think, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, ETFs that are also on the horizon over there. So, um, shout out Australia, man. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty bullish, right? Like even if they're, they got, things got delayed, but sounds like they're, still on track to to be approved at some point um and like you said it's already we already have a a spot based etf bitcoin etf approved in canada so now australia seems to be you know progressing along and then yeah when can we get a a a u.s based etf for bitcoin that's the question yeah so like cosmos um who like (coughs) excuse me um, Cosmos, who's like in, you know, um, the asset management company that's providing this, they like, you know, um, after they received approval from the Austra- Australian security exchange commission, um, they provided a seven day notice period, letting people know that this was going to be available. And they expected around like a billion dollars of investment almost mm. immediately, which doesn't sound like a lot, but no, again, like for traditional investors, um, investing into brand new products. This is this is how we get closer to a world where people take Bitcoin a lot more seriously, right? right. It's more and more developing countries um, kind of approving Bitcoin as legal tender, and it's crazy ass Australia um, down there, down under, approving Canadian ETFs right. <laughs> for Bitcoin. I mean, it's just like. It's it's the little things that get you there, right? Yeah, yeah, one step at a time. So maybe before we know it, we'll finally have a U.S. based ETF approved by the end of this year. So imagine that to close uh, close out twenty twenty two. Hey man, pray pray to the Lord, pray to the Lord. All right, well, listen, guys, we've been going for a decent amount of time here. Um, it's great uh, to um, just talk to you all again. It's great to talk to you again. You do. Um, Likewise, I, buddy. I, I, I missed you, man, and. I was jealous last week. I was like, this guy's talking to smart people and he doesn't, he's never going to want to talk to me again. And now you're talking to me again. And I feel like I have more confidence in my life. I can go out there and do things again. So this has been hey, great. For, for what it's worth, uh, I, I get 
actually more joy out of talking to you <laughs> than talking to the others. Don't lie to me in front of everyone. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're gonna go with it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Just all take right. the compliment. Just take the compliment. <laughs> yes. Take um, it. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to say in closing before we wrap up? No, I think. Um, yeah, I think which you know, it's getting warmer and warmer. Uh, I think. I just want folks to to get out there and enjoy life a little bit um, instead of, you know, spending too time too much time looking at the charts, which is what I used to do. Uh, you will realize that if you go outside, you know, enjoy yourself and come back, the chart is still there. The Bitcoin and Ethereum market is still there. So and it'll be there tomorrow, assuming we don't lose all of our energy and have no uh, no internet access anymore. Right. Exactly. So. And even uh, that, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network will still keep running. So. Keep on keeping on. Keep yeah. on keeping on, baby. That's the that's the the moral of the story. And uh, yeah, tweet at us, guys. We'd love to hear from you, assuming Daddy Elon doesn't shut down that, that bad boy over there. And uh, yeah, as always, stay safe out there, Space Cowboys. We'll see you next week. All right, take it easy. Bye, guys. What is on the street you found some? Now it goes to town